if you'll hear me say it. Hi, Merch so. Money. We are live a little early today. Don't worry, we're still going to do the eight o'clock show, but this is so important that I'm decided to just go ahead and do a show real quick. Um, so we have Paul Rafelson with us and he is a, he's in the group, uh, but he also has done FBA and, and lots of other things. And he's also a lawyer. So we have a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into. Um, it's going to be about sales tax, but before that, I just wanted to introduce you to Paul and, and have Paul give a little background about his story and how he got sure. here. Yeah. So Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan and I love your advocacy and the way that you get involved and, and it was really inspiring. And when this came up, I knew I had to get in contact with you. So I, I wanted to do that. So I appreciate you okay. making time for me to get this message out. So it's just really appreciate it. And, um, but yeah, so my name is Paul Rafelson. Jeez, I, I got my name wrong. Uh, <laughs> I asked him how to say his name and now he doesn't even know. Uh, I got so used to both ways. Um, <laughs> So I'm an attorney. Uh, I, I'm an attorney and I represent a lot of Amazon businesses uh, around the world. Uh, our law firm specializes in helping e-commerce sellers. But I, I also, um, a couple of years ago, launched a nonprofit trade association, sort of a lobby advocacy group for Amazon sellers called the Online Merchants Guild. And we'll get into a little bit more about what they do, but that, that's sort of what I do, and I do volunteer my time for the organization. We, we really are, um, you know, the organization was founded by Bernie Thompson, who owns a company called Pluggable. You may have heard of him. You may have even seen his face on Seller Central when he logged in maybe a year or two ago. Um, and Mike Jackness from Ecom Crew um, to help get this off the ground. And uh, we advocate for sellers and sales tax was sort of the founding issue. Um, prior to all this, I, I, I'm a lawyer. So I, I'm a lawyer by trade. And, and before being a lawyer, I was a retail arbitrage seller uh, back. Uh, it was like, oh, three, oh, four, oh, five. You know, and I was just saying, like, back then, people just call you a scammer, right? I was yeah, I was going to say that term hadn't come about yet, right? No, I know. I actually never heard of it until, until I got back into, so I, started, I left my corporate law life and, and started helping Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers, I hadn't, I didn't even know it was the term and I would still do it. You know, I, I, you know, I can show you my basement. I still have tons of crap that I was intending to sell because I used to have a wonderful in-house law job and nine to five at GE. They're not all bad. Sometimes, you know, pe people yeah. love the corporate life and, uh, and, uh, I would just sell flip stuff at Walmart. I would buy random stuff and, and I still do occasionally and, and, and try to clean out my basement. But, uh, it, it's, um, it, it, it's something that I used to do back in the day, long before FBA. And I was saying I, I would sell on half.com, just old fashioned Craigslist stuff. Um, what was the big ones back? I don't remember the other ones. You did it while Amazon. you were in law school, right? Oh yeah. I would. That's amazing. It, it, it was DVDs. I was arbitraging DVDs. I maxed out my credit cards, buying DVDs one black Friday. And that was like my, my main business. Um, and then I would just kind of start, you know, doing what retail arbitragers do and sourcing inventory. It was the hardest thing was to get sort, you know, source stuff. But I would just every day scour. Um, but during my first time doing it, when I sort of launched this, it's sort of okay. I'm gonna this is gonna help me pay for law school is what I'm gonna do. Um, it was uh, I would sit on the floor of the post office in a small town called Conshohocken, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Philadelphia. And back then you could not scan in a media mail DVD in less than a minute. It took, took them literally just when you handed to them, you know, there was the label, there was the sticker and it just, the system was so slow that it would take forever. It was God awful. So, you know, I come in with like hundred packages a day 
um, because I was just actually flooring the market with these box set DVDs of like The Simpsons and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I just would sit on the floor with my law books and read while I would just hear them going beep, beep, and the line would be out the door because I, I would always go like during lunch because I was rude. I didn't think about it at the time. I should have known better, but it was like I would just go at lunch and then realizing that it's the holidays and lunch in the post office is really not nice. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And um, coincidentally, when I, I, I left law school, because I thought nobody can make any money on Amazon full time. Like, this isn't something you could ever do for like a living, right? You know, this is 0304, so you got to forgive me a little bit. Um, and so cool uh, that you were on so early. Yeah, no, I once in my group, I don't know, years ago, I posted, you know, I, I had more than one Amazon account, naughty, naughty. Um, and I posted one did get shut down. I don't, I honestly don't know why I forget what happened. It wasn't anything shady. It was just, it sucked, whatever, something sucked back then. And, um, uh, but, but one of them, the one that I still use, uh, is still live and had some of my old historical data and I was able to pull some of it and show some of my sales and post it from like back then. It was really cool. That's amazing. Um, one second, let me just stop you for just a second. Patty's saying you're going too fast. What's the nonprofit group? Patty, we're just doing a background on, on who Paul is and, and what he, um, how he got into FBA and all of that. But we'll, we'll talk about the sales tax and his group and all of that in a little bit. And, and Mike is also asking about if his vote counts because he's from England. So guys, we'll get into all of that in a minute. We're just giving you sort of the background of, of uh, Paul real quick. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that was my whole experience. And, um, and, and I, I have one little twist back to Amazon I'll share with the group, but um, I'll get to that in a moment. But so, you know, I left law school. I worked for a firm. I left New York. I moved to Miami because I wanted to get out of New York. And um there for two years and I got recruited by a company called Microsoft and I was doing tax litigation, tax defense. Um, and they asked me if I'd move to Seattle and I'm a total gamer nerd and I love tech and I'm like, yeah, I'm going. So um, picked up and drove my car from Miami to Seattle, moved to Microsoft and uh, I was there for four happy years. Um, and it was like around my second or third year, this company called Walmart in Arkansas. Um, kept asking me if I would move there and like lead their tax defense practice, you know, like defending themselves against these state governments. And, you know, first time they approached me, I'm like, I'm never going to move to Arkansas, but you know, it kept bothering me and bothering me. And, you know, it started to get really interesting and, and um, Microsoft was getting a little bit stale at the time. Um, you know, uh, Balmer, uh, they just laid off a whole bunch of people. The environment was kind of bad. And in Walmart, it's like, we're really trying to build a, you know, a more, um, global tax in-house uh, function because, you know, everybody here is kind of from Arkansas. So I'm like, I'll go out to Arkansas and see what it's all about. And I realized very quickly that Northwest Arkansas is actually really beautiful. Um, I, I, I love it. I still actually have my house there, uh, you know, uh, that I bought for what we call rounding error here in New England. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, it was really nice. And uh, it, it was really, really cool. And I realized, you know, it really just looks like my home area of New Jersey where I grew up. I mean, it's just like New Jersey without a big city anywhere near it. But I mean, it's just like every every chain store you could ever imagine. Where did you grow up in New Jersey? I forget. Oh, in the South. Um, so I'm from the- So there's three sections of New Jersey for anyone who doesn't know. Yes. <laughs> the South is, uh, we. I'm from Central New Jersey. And so some people just are like, that's not even a thing. <laughs> like it's either right. South or North, but whatever. I'm from Central. You're from Central. So, well, that's interesting because I don't know because I'm from North South. 
I'm from Central South, I guess, because I'm I'm from the little carve out of of New Jersey where we are identified as Philadelphia mm, suburbanites. Okay. So you know, I grew up 15 minutes from Center City, Philadelphia, near Cherry Hill. It's a town called Morristown. Yeah, I know Cherry uh, Hill. I live in. I was living in East Brunswick, not too oh, far yeah. from Rutgers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so not too too far, but. You know, the problem with my town, and you'll appreciate this, is I lived in a town called Morristown with an E, and everybody's like, oh, I know Morristown. Yeah. I'm like, not Morristown. That's way up north by Persephone. I, 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 I'm down by Philly. So I would always just say, by Cherry Hill. Um, <laughs> or I would just say I'm from Philly. But apparently yeah. when I was in Massachusetts, when I went to school, they said, you can't do that. You can't say you're from the nearest city if it's a different state. And I'm like, well, everybody. Oh, I do that all the time. I think. If yeah. I'm not in Virginia, I say I'm from DC sometimes. Exactly. It's just it's, easy. Like what airport are you gonna go to? <laughs> you would so many Massachusetts people are like, ah, you can't do that. It's a different state line. You know, I'm like, shut up. But anyway, <laughs> the struggles of the, the identity crisis of being a New Jersey resident. So um, but anyway, I was, I was at Walmart for two years and then I got recruited to go to another company called General Electric. And for people who know anything about General Electric, they're really good at not paying taxes. And in fact, they're world famous for it. They're like the New York Yankees of tax lawyers. And Until Amazon came around and was like, let's show, yeah, <laughs> hold my and, beer. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, my old boss at Microsoft ended up working, going to Amazon, which is really funny. And we really don't talk anymore because we'll get into some of that stuff. But, uh, um, and then Amazon ended up recruiting like half a GE as GE, you know, when I was a GE, it was kind of like, I got in at the beginning of like the crumble. Uh, you know, we were selling off the NBC. I don't know if people used to know that GE used to own NBC, the, the TV station, like Saturday Night Live. Like that was all GE. Uh, and then they sold it to Comcast. And then um, there were some changes in the banking regulations and they made a very poor decision to sell off half the company because half the company was GE Capital and financial. And so it was just weird, like, you know, GE's, the GE I knew was always known for acquiring companies. My whole time there, we're divesting everything, um, just selling off every business. Um, and one of the last things I worked on is what I'll call HQ1, uh, which is kind of where my departure came because they were moving the entire company from Fairfield County, Connecticut. I was in Stanford, Connecticut, for people who know the area. And they had this big publicized thing where they moved to Boston and they had, the, just like Amazon, they had that whole thing where states were all putting these bids together and, um, it's really funny, some of the articles that, you know, somebody we'd see, you know, Indiana put out a full page ad saying, GE, don't let, you know, uh, friends don't let friends pay high taxes, move to Indiana as if we were ever going to move to Indiana. No offense, Indiana, I love Indiana, but I'm just, you know, it was never in the cards. Um, and then they ended up after moving to Boston. And it was around that time I, I did a blog post for uh, one of these Amazon suspension people you know, I, w I had no intention of being private practice. My my next move was to go to a big law firm and just continue to be a tax lawyer outside of um, outside of in-house life. Um, but that blog post turned into an entire legal practice, which is now consumed with everything from tax. Uh, we do the suspension, a lot of intellectual property law. I'd like to teach a lot of LLC law. Uh, because I feel like people do that wrong all the time. Like that, oh, that that's sure. not, it's, it's exhausting. And, and, you know, I think when you sell merch, I mean, there, yes, there's intellectual property risk, which you got to be concerned about. But like when you have a client who's, you know, worth a couple million dollars because they've been very successful, but they sell hoverboards. I'm like, oh, yeah. you probably want something better than a legal zoom LLC between, you know, you and your assets, you know, your company and your assets. Like you probably mm -hmm. want something a little bit more solid uh, that's going to work. And so, 
Um, and I'm also a law professor. I teach at Pace Law School at White Plains, which is where we used to recruit out of a GE for interns. And so I teach a course on state and local tax constitutional law, basically. Um, and that's what I do. And, and the one last thing I'll tell you about me is that when I was at Microsoft in Seattle, my wife worked for Amazon. My wife's worked for Amazon twice. Uh, once in New York, she worked for the Amazon Groupon business, uh, which was uh, eventually shut down because there was no money in it. Um, but before that, when we were in Seattle and before we moved to Arkansas, my wife worked for uh, a team that is referred to today as Seller Performance. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not having to do with merch, but I remember when I did FBA about it. Yeah, exactly. Like anyone who's ever had their account shut down or anything like that. Um, you know, those are the people reviewing it. And back then, you know, they were kind of the pioneers because they were really figuring this whole, you know, seller thing out, um, back then. And, um, I used to hang out with all of, all of the Amazon people because they were kind of more my age. You know, a lot of my Microsoft coworkers were married, you know, 10, 15 years older than me and married with kids. And, you know, whereas the Amazon kids were more our age and would like to go out and, so, and I would love the conversations when we go out bars or dinner because it was all about selling on Amazon and yeah. I was still arbitraging, you know, not, not full time, just, just, you know, but it was all fascinating. And so I learned a lot and I knew a lot and who knew that in, you know, seven years time that would actually come back to like really be beneficial to understand, yeah. you know, to have all that experience. So anyway, that's kind of a long way of giving my background, but <laughs> sorry. Well, thank you so much. Well, I know Monty liked it. He said, uh, Hit the thumbs up. This is great. Thank you, Monty. Um, well, I I just love hearing everyone's background. It's so amazing how much talent we all have, like between everyone in all these communities. It's like it's amazing. Um, Absolutely. And it must be amazing, like when you were doing arbitrage in the early days, like 2002, 2003. FBA wasn't even around, and you're already doing it. It's amazing. Um, I, I, yeah, it was. It was really. I, I'm just. I was just kind of a. You know, I, I call it. You know, they called it scamming. I was always just like a. I was always a, and, and no surprise, I'm a tax lawyer, right? But I was always a loopholes guy, right? I mean, my my <laughs> mileage account. I mean, I was I, like, I if I had known there was money in writing a mileage blog, I, I mean, I was 10 years ahead of these guys. I was churning credit cards when I was 18 or 19, because in college, they give you a credit card, no matter what. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to, you have no income. Great, here's $20,000 limit. I'm like, okay. And then I would just start <laughs> churning United cards. Uh, and, and, and then when the airlines would merge, I had this thing where like, whenever an airline would merge, I would get all the credit cards of each airline knowing that they would combine the accounts and I'd have one like mega account full of like hundreds, hundreds of thousands of miles. I mean, I, I that was all just the way I, I was back then. So retail arbitrage is a natural progression for people who like to kind of look for that, you know, and, and I let's, that's why I like hanging around to eat retail arbitrage people. I mean, our clients are everybody. I mean, obviously a lot yeah. of our clients are private label and a lot of our clients are brand owners and and um but you know i always my heart is goes out to always to to the to the successful retail arbitrage i just really root, root for those people and i always when i meet somebody who's thinking about selling on amazon for the first time i always say you really need to just go to like tj maxx or walmart and start dabbling in retail arbitrage. i mean just to learn seller central for one you it's know? so it's, neat to hear that like a lawyer is on the side of retail arbitrage i think that's awesome of course. what about like amazon when you were talking to all the amazon people were they thinking like oh i can't believe you did that or or did they think it was cool too i mean my wife thought it was cool. Um, I don't think the other people, you know, I didn't talk about it too much because I was a lawyer and I was kind of like a little bit, you know, my friends in law school knew, mm -hmm. um, but not too many. Um, I had one friend at Walmart where I 
I told him about it and I kind of given it up at that point. And then he started, he wanted to do it. So he went and it was right around Black Friday. So he went and got the Thanksgiving catalog for Walmart and just started like developing a strategy. And it turned out the Walmarts by us in Arkansas just were like loaded with like extra stock. Like we would go, go into uh, Walmart on a Friday and, and they would have just like hundreds of the video games lying around. And I remember the floor managers like, take as much as you want. We That's don't, awesome. it was like $20 for Madden and FIFA soccer or whatever the prices were. And we were arbitraging and it was just fun to get back in the game again. Um, but I really didn't like to tell people cause it did, I didn't know that it was like a thing and it just, you know, I wanted to maintain my professional lawyerly image yeah. back then. You know, I was young, you know, I like, kind of felt like I was a young lawyer and I didn't want people knowing that I was like, again, cause it was called scamming back then. That's what they would, that's what the store people would always say. You're scam this on eBay. You scam, you know, like, no, I would never do it on eBay. I like Amazon. It's much better, much faster. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh man. Well, so you have so much experience that it's perfect for right now. So talk about sales tax. Why are we in 2020 and have like the worst sales tax system ever? Why is this happening? That's, that's my question. And, and that's, that's kind of why I reached out because our opportunity to make, to fix this is now, but, um, you know, we just live in a, we live in a country of where we believe in states where constitutionally states have rights. We want to respect state autonomy and states administer their own tax systems. We don't do national state taxes, right? There's federal taxes and there's state taxes and we don't nationalize these things. And, and, and Congress is always in the history of state tax. And I will spare you that dull history, but I, I have it and I would gladly <laughs> share it. You know, there are probably webinars out there where I've talked about it on YouTube somewhere. Um, uh, but you know, the Congress is very scared to, to do things that would sort of restrict the state's rights. And, um, uh, and so states have their own tax systems and then, you know, that's been fine. You know, 1992 was the most sort of, uh, really important case in, in sales tax history because of the fact that, um, it was just before the dawn of e-commerce, right? It, it was reaffirming a prior rule called the physical presence rule where you had to have some sort of physical connection to a state in order to be subject to your sales tax and subject to their sales tax. So obviously e-commerce companies could sell anywhere and the brick and mortars couldn't. And the brick and mortars are complaining, well, I, I'm, I have a camera store and I, I, I got to charge tax, but people can just go online and, and get it. And that always seemed unfair, but that was sort of a, a rule the Supreme Court just sort of made up back in the 50s and reaffirmed it in the 90s and not realizing what was coming down the road. Um, so you gotta think back then, you know, yeah, sales tax was hard, but the only companies really dealing with 50 state sales tax were huge corporations, like the ones I was working with, like Walmart, right? Walmart's got 200 people. Amazon's probably got, I don't know, a thousand people in their tax department right now doing all sorts of things, um, you know, and, and that was fine. But then as e-commerce grew even more, um, and it really became a tool of self-reliance for people that we, you know, and, and that's really happened. And, and I, I credit that more to FBA than I do to even eBay or any of these other things, because what FBA did was it gave any small business owner, right, the ability to scale overnight and access the global economy or the national economy with instant scale, right? Like you now have yeah. the same logistics power as Walmart, right? And it mm -hmm. only cost you five bucks, right? The first time I shipped a box to FBA, it was like five bucks, know, right? You know, it's like ridiculous, right? And I'm like, wow, and I'm gonna get my products handled and it's just, it, and I'm, I'm national, right? I can sell to anyone in the country, no problem, two yeah. day shipping. 
And that really was a game changer for a lot of people. Um, and now just over time, people have with, with the easy access to FPLs, even if you don't use FBA, if you want to be a Shopify business, it's easy to get distribution now. You don't need, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars of investors, right? Think about what it would take for you to start a product, you know, come up with a product idea and get it to all the stores and, or if you was a store, you know, how would you scale, right? Either you're supplying the big guys like Walmart or Target or, you know, you're, you're slowly building out storefronts, right? How does, you know, um, like just the way any retail company did, I'm trying to think who, who were like, you know, like, um, I don't know who the big retailers were from the nineties. I, mean, I forget who they were, but that kind of just grew out of that, you know, sort of like those smaller, but you know, like mall boutiques that like, you know, just would gradually open stores, you know, and you, it would take a lot of money and investment, not easy. Now, if you have this product, you want to get out there. It's like, you're not gated by Walmart, right? You don't have to go convince some buyer who's hung over from the Razorbacks game the night before that, you know, this yeah. is a good product and it should be in Walmart or target. And, and you don't have to get massive amounts of money. I mean, so, Amazon's FBA and e-commerce has really put uh, leveled the playing field in terms of uh, creating opportunity for people, right? And it's a cool type of opportunity, right? That's why we have the nomads because it doesn't matter where you live, right? We yeah. can do this from anywhere. So you can live in uh, Western Kentucky, which is you know not considered a you know an economic opportunity rich environment unless you're into coal. Right. Mm -hmm. And now it's like you have the same opportunities as somebody in New York. And these are all great things. And that's progress and that's interstate commerce. And that's what we want. That's what the Constitution of the United States actually has the Commerce Clause. And that's what it's designed to support. Right. Like we, we actually like 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 George Washington was thinking about this, what yeah. we're dealing with right now. He's like, this could happen one day. And the last thing I want to happen is a bunch of states to mess it up. Right. I mean, technically, mm -hmm. it was the Supreme Court that came up with that doctrine it's called the dormant commerce clause but i don't i don't want to go there mm. um but the point is that they were thinking about interstate commerce about states burdening discriminating against interstate commerce and and that's kind of what sales tax is it's that it's it's that none of us as small e-commerce businesses care about the tax like we, we're all happy to collect and remit it but i was just talking to a business owner who spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars on integration to get their yeah. shopify business now with Amazon, I will say one of the things I've done, and I'll talk a little bit about the nonprofit organization. So we have this uh, company that's that's going for nonprofit status. We're we're in the process of doing that, um, and I assume we'll get it. Um, we I don't get paid. I, I do this as a volunteer effort because I, I believe it's called the Online Merchant Guild or OMG, hence the OMG next to my name. Oh, um, online I Merchants didn't even Guild. get that. Online Merchant Guild. Online, yeah, somebody came up with a name and I liked it. We were just like, that's kind of cool. And I think it's it's fitting. Like, I want a name that sticks out because we're trying to make noise. You know, mm -hmm. we want to be a loud organization. We want, you know, the politicians to hear us and know who we are because we're important. We vote. We're self-reliant. We're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. Um, and I just really want to get that message. But anyway, Online Merchants Guild um started on sales tax and we started advocating um and it started with amazon sellers getting accused of tax evasion mm. uh and that's again what my first blog post was a couple of years ago was you had this thing called a tax amnesty where these 40 25 or so states were saying you are you use fulfillment by amazon meaning you shipped a bunch of inventory to your home state of new jersey 
And right. without your knowledge, Amazon reshuffled them across all their warehouses in these various states and, and you have Nexus and you're like, well, I didn't even know Amazon did that because that back then they would never tell us anything like that, yeah. right? And um, when I started researching it and I was first of all, I'm like, well, there's some problems here. One is that that's not Nexus, that's not truly physical presence and there's a whole litany of, litany, excuse me, of legal arguments around what we call the due process clause and due process Nexus that I'll spare everyone but uh i i if you want to read about it i have a supreme court brief if you go on the wayfair if you google online merchant skill wayfair supreme court brief you can read all about it uh, and i've written blog posts and stuff um but even more what, what really ticked me off about this was the fact that you know even if you know the, these it was true that you would access even if, you, if i'm wrong on that point and there were these software companies tax jar avalara yeah i remember tax, tax Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just scare tactics. I mean, they were just like, you need to sign up in all 50 states. Are you out of your mind? I mean, literally, are you outside your mind? I'm like, you, people have no idea what it means to be signed up in 50 states for these taxes and that, you know, they'll say sales tax because they're sales tax firms. But you know what? When you're an FBA, the states also wanted income tax. They want, and this, this and is, and I was telling you before the show, this is one reason why I wanted to switch to merch. Cause once I started getting higher numbers, I was like, what if, all these states ever come back to me for sales tax. Cause I, I was only collecting sales tax in Virginia cause that's the state that my business was based out of. Um, so I, m- I got up to like 120,000 a year or something. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want to get into the millions cause I feel like this whole sales tax thing is out of control. So that, that's one of the main reasons I, I moved to merch. And but this were, shouldn't be like that. It should be a simpler no. way. It shouldn't be and, like where you have to decide, like, do I want to potentially owe millions of dollars in sales tax or do I just want to find out how to follow the rules? Like, how can we do this? How, exactly. How can I grow a business? If like, and, Yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell you. So and, and, and I'll quickly wrap up kind of that little backstory to say what was really insulting was that. If you actually read the law of these states, and I, 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 I have a lawsuit against the state of California. I'm suing the state of California and Amazon in a lawsuit. I'm actually, what we're basically doing is we're suing the state of California under what we call a government waste doctrine for failing to collect taxes from Amazon. And we're basically saying that all those back taxes that you accuse sellers of owing is actually owed by Amazon because under California law, when you use FBA, and that's who is being attacked, not the seller fulfilled people, not the eBay people, it was the FBA people only, because those are the ones whose inventory ended up in the California warehouses without their knowing. But we said, listen, if you look at the law, Amazon is the seller. Under yeah, because we don't law, own those warehouses. Exactly. Right, like if they, those companies. When you right. fill out the sales tax application, they want to know where you're based in their state. And you can't like give an address that's not yours. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's you're not the seller. I mean, every yeah. state black letter law, if you look at the definition of the sale, they say it's the transfer of title, possession, or both. California has a regulation called 1569. It's called the consignment regulation. And that's what I said at the beginning. So you guys are like consigners, right? Like think about a consignment shop, right? Like you're mm-hmm. giving your inventory to the store. But when you when you're, when you you have a retail store, right? And you'd be surprised. There's inventory sitting in your local Walmart that's actually sitting there at consignment. You'd be surprised. Some big brands, that's how they arrange it. And then there's a flash title transaction at checkout, right? And 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 we were saying this is not you're not retailers. And I was like, compare Amazon to the Mall of America, right? I mean, you have no identity, right? Like you've sold by X Y Z, but it's like that's not your identity. You can't go and solicit that customer for you know you have yeah. none of that 
autonomy that a true retailer in a mall has. They're not right? your customers. Exactly. You're supplying Amazon. And that's always got to say, in, in, in yeah. essence, we're supplying it. Yes, you're building a brand and you're building brand presence. And you could say PPC is like buying an end cap at Walmart, but you're not retailing, right? Yeah, you're you have supplying. no control over the warehouse and no control over the customers. So it's exactly. And so there's lots of law out there. So so our biggest gripe with these tax software companies that we're scaring people is like, well, hold on a second. That I don't even care about Nexus right now because even if, which I don't even think there is Nexus and there's plenty of constitutional arguments for why this is wrong. But even if that's not the case, like you're not the seller. Because another way we look at it is to say, look, if you were really the seller, then that means that Amazon just basically got away with the oldest tax trick in the book that has been closed and, and, and they kind of did, but it's more <laughs> to do with their influence and jobs and warehouses and just the way they influence states. But, you know, I, I sort of use the analogy. I said, you know, if Walmart or Target and uh, the judge in South Carolina borrowed from from this analogy, which I shared with the South Carolina Department of Revenue because Amazon lost the case there on this issue uh, back in September. Um, but it's like if Target were to basically say, okay, we're no longer a retail store, we're a marketplace. And we're going to, you know, our cash registers are just facilitating the sale of products sold by our sellers, right? We're not going to have suppliers anymore, right? Apple's no longer a supplier. They're a seller. Mm -hmm. So you, go, you pick up the iPad off the shelf and it says sold by Apple. You go to the cash register and they're like, okay, you know, okay, facilitated by Target, sold by Apple, right? And you walk out the door and you didn't pay sales tax, right? And I would say, what are the chances of any state allowing Target to get away with that if that's something they did? And, yeah. and obviously like zero. Point. Mm -hmm. Right. It's zero. They would never happen. They would yeah. they would get crushed. And and that's exactly what the judge, even using Target as an example, um, said that in the South Carolina case, because it is it's 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 like it's the level of it's the type of tax nonsense that that courts have put an end to, you know, 40 years ago, that sort of tax that we used to see the big corporations try, especially with income tax, which is really where my origin story is. I spent more of my time doing complex income tax litigation. Um, but the here we are, Amazon's getting away with it. And it's no coincidence, right? That, you know, my first article to hit the tax press, it's a thing where, you know, you know, all the, the tax government people read and all the big wigs and tax read, right? Was the same day Amazon announces HQ2. And then every time, I mean, it, it, it was a total, you know, we're putting these jobs in warehouses in your state. So you're just going to look the other way. We're yeah. doing what we're supposed to do. We're only going to collect tax on our own stuff. And that's kind of how it was. But meanwhile, all of these small business owners who are out of state, and that's normal in, in tax. Um, when you're an out-of-state business, the states don't care about you. The other states, right, they, mm -hmm. they blatantly discriminate against you. In fact, they had a win in Microsoft on that issue um, years ago uh, at the California Court of Appeals because they were doing, they were treating us differently than Adobe. Mm -hmm. um, and they were, it was why? Because we were out of state. And, and that's kind of the nightmare we're in. So... But the good news is that these new marketplace facilitator laws, something that we at Online Merchant Skills were lobbying for last year. We had lobbyists engaged in California. We've, we've been pushing with the press. I mean, if you put my name in Google, you'll see a lot of articles about me pushing for these marketplace facilitator laws to come in. Now, I don't think that law was really necessary for Amazon. Now, maybe it was necessary for eBay and maybe for um, Seller Fulfilled. But so, so as Amazon sellers, um, we're seeing the sales taxes now being handled by Amazon and 38 out of the 45 sales tax states with with the only one state not doing it that's really important is florida um florida is still not collecting tax and uh, making amazon collect the tax um but at the same time oh, I, I, didn't seen, I don't know if i knew that um oh yeah, yeah. wow so um now i've not seen florida go after any out-of-state sellers for back taxes the way california has the way massachusetts has the way washington state has but 
Florida is the one state that is the one state of significance. The other states are Mississippi, Missouri, but I kind of, you know, when I tell my clients, like, look, if Mississippi goes after you for five years of backpacks, you just pay them a fifth, 30 bucks and you move on with life. Right? Like, 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 what do you, what do you do? Sorry, anybody from Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Like Mississippi. Sorry, Mississippi. And I oh, love Mississippi. it. I've been down. Yeah. Well, I'm Missouri too. Missouri is actually on the other one, but you know, I love Missouri and I love Mississippi. I'm sorry. Kansas City. I love the Kansas city part. Go, go, go. Chief. Well, well, speaking of, of all these different people, how can people help? We got, so, we got about 15 minutes left. How, what can we tell them to do? What is happening? What's this uh, hearing happening soon? Yes. So, so there's a hearing coming up. So, so as you can see, it's very complicated to be in sales tax. And we think as, as an organization that looks out for e-commerce sellers, um, we're obviously telling people, if you're one of those Amazon sellers, if you do this, if you also do FBA and you've been hit with a back tax assessment or threatened by a state, um, we want you to share that story. But the other thing we want you to do, and the reason why this is important is that while Amazon is sort of being cured and eBay is being cured, um, the people who are still suffering with sales tax are the Shopify, the big commerce, right? The, the, the people have their own e-commerce websites. And I know a lot of Amazon sellers, whether it's merch, whether it's um, brands, even um, uh, certain wholesalers want to have their own website, right? They want that independence. They want to have their own customer. They want the higher profit margins, right? And a lot of our clients are coming to us and saying, you know, we're so scared of sales tax that, you know, even though we do three, four million a year on Shopify or two million, you know, we're going to shut it down or we're just going to be an informational website. I'm definitely one of those people. I'm right. like royalty. If it's not a royalty, I'm staying away from it just because right. I don't know how to handle it. Right. And your royalties may be subject to sales that you don't know because states are starting to tax those internal things. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington state would probably try to say something about that. You know, it's, it's, it's really crazy how complicated this is getting. How could you do sales tax on a royalty? I never heard anybody say that. Tax on, they're doing sales tax on Amazon fees now? Like what? the 30% or whatever that Amazon takes in fees? Connecticut's taxing it. Washington's taxing it. I think Illinois. There's a How is that sales tax? It's not. It's actually what I would call a value-added tax. And it's and unlike the value-added tax in Europe, they don't ref, they don't give you the incremental refunds. It's actually, it, it's gross. It's a... It's a um, yeah, it's a, it's supposed in the way sales tax is supposed to work is anything you all the costs that go into getting the product to, to the customer are supposed to be built into the price. So when you tax the final price, that's representing now these states are putting these incremental business taxes in there. So it's jacking oh up the because the states are so hungry for money now. They want to you know historically sales tax was always about tangible personal property. Now they're looking at intangible transactions, royalties, services. Oh my God. Fees. If, yeah, if, if there's sales tax on royalties, you got to let me know whenever. That I, I, it may already be. I, I, I would say my, my suspect would be Washington State. If I had to say there's probably a business and occupation tax. It's probably not going to be very much. It probably honestly won't amount to very much. So I wouldn't lose sleep over it. But um, it, it, it's possible. But. You know, exactly. If you move into a Shopify environment and now you own the customer, right? And it's your your store uh, and you're, you're responsible for collecting tax, it's going to be impossible. So what we want people to do is that's really the purpose of this hearing tomorrow. Uh, uh, hearing is next week on March 3rd, but we need people to submit. Um, tomorrow is, is like the safe deadline. I mean, technically, I, I guess you could get them in Thursday, but we want these on the record. And we just want you to tell Congress that we want a single unified solution for sales tax. What I envision is, and what many of us envision is basically a clearinghouse and saying, listen, I should only have, I'm a small business. I should only have to register in my home state. Why do I need to register in 50 states? What, what do you need that for? 
why can't we put the burden on the states to make this easy? They have all their bureaucracy, bureaucracy. They don't want to work together, right? It's been going on for years, but Congress can mandate that that's the that's the law. That that the states need to create a clearinghouse where the Congress can establish that says I report tax to one entity, whether it's my home state or or a centralized clearinghouse that can take a direct feed from my Shopify or my big commerce, right? And if, if I'm using, it, especially, you know. We, there's technological solutions out there that can make sales tax, yeah. even with 20,000 jurisdictions, because you got all the towns and the cities and all that. You can make it easy. It's just, it, there's no, like so I always say, like, if you, how ahead, does sorry. it work when it's worldwide, too? Because we're so worried just in the United States, it's impossible. But what about oh, worldwide? Well, I you mean, got VA, I can't do anything about the VAT. Not so yet. many like people it. in our chat don't live in the US. I think just about everyone in the chat doesn't live in the US. Dwayne, right, are they, Dwayne are they selling in the are they selling into the US though? They're selling on the internet and people in America right. are buying it. So right, it's just I mean. so, so complicated. Right. And the governments are gonna expect, you know, if you try to set up a Shopify and you're in in England. And that's one of my points is well, how are you gonna actually enforce it against somebody in England? Like well, they're you know, asking in the chat, like, how should they fill out these letters too? Like if they're not yeah. in the US. Yes, say, and there's instructions in the link. And, and I, I did a, a more direct video on like the whole mission of this, but it's just to tell Congress that we need a simplified solution that we, we're, we're not, we're tired of, you know, that they would end up collecting Congress. so much more if they made it simple. Like right exactly. now, it's impossible. And it's, it's, it is. it's the whole world. So it's not even just the United States. Like, how are all these different countries supposed to all collect? All the different taxes in all the in all the different countries and states. Right. I mean, I can't help you with the VAT in Europe, but if you're selling in the U.S. and you're a foreign Shopify business, you want to sell Shopify, you want the opportunity to expand your business in the U.S. You know, this is something. You know, some would say you have an advantage because, again, like, what is the state of California really going to do to you if you're in China or if you're in Australia or New Zealand? It's probably going to be pretty hard for the state of California to really do anything. Um, but you know, it's like, we, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to follow the law. Right. Um, yeah. And just, you know, if it was as simple as just saying, okay, I export my Shopify data to this state website or it imports my data and just basically coughs up one number and says, here's how much tax you should have collected. Please pay this. And then from mm -hmm. there, it's up to them to redistribute to the states. Then the states don't have to unify the laws. They can make it as complicated amongst themselves as they want. Yeah. Just so long as they can take our data and upload it and and come up with that answer uh using you know platforms like shopify i mean we we, we know it's possible okay it's not going to take bill gates to figure out a common sense solution to sales tax that's not why sales tax is complicated with it why has it not happened yet like i just because can't this, believe we're 20 years in and there's no exactly. way to deal with online sales exactly and that's that's, that's the point I, I said that in my supreme court brief in 2018 i said it's like you know the states refuse to like adapt to the changing technology they expect everyone to like hold i mean it's back so past the point of changing technology like this is commonplace yeah. now we're I, not I, in a changing technology this has been around for some people's whole lives but definitely I know. A, a significant portion of a lot of people's lives there's no excuse for this and so congress but the problem is is that every state has their own politics and their own everything i mean there's there's even this push for streamlined sales tax which is still garbage because you have to register in 50 states Here's and you know and you know what? Question. Um, we we yeah, talked about, about tax charges a little bit, but that's well, that's their solution to it. But it's it's not the government coming forward and explaining an easy way to deal with sales tax. 
Right. You still have to register, even with tax rate. The current rule is you have to register in all the states, right? Like when you hit these thresholds, or if you use FBA, right? If you're an FBA seller and a merch seller, your FBA presence in the eyes of some of these states creates nexus. There's no threshold of a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred. And it's not some easy thing to do to apply to collect sales tax in all fifty states. It's a very no. complicated process, very expensive, and to maintain it and to file taxes in all those different places, it's a lot. You know that you make one stupid mistake, and you know, and we've heard stories of like you know people using TaxJar, other. So I don't mean to pick on all of them. Believe me, um, we had one accounting firm wrote a letter to a major software company just highlighting like all these instances where the software crapped out in the middle of the day and like all these Shopify transactions were missed, right? I mean, that's on you, right? According yeah. to the states, they, if you don't collect the tax, you gotta pay it, like it's on you. And we're just trying to say like- But even still, like we shouldn't have to go through this. We shouldn't even have to get a tax jar thing. Like we should be, right. there should be some way for people to easily collect tax and file tax and all of that um, because for we're- free global or at least i mean i guess we're focusing just on all the states in the u.s but even still that's a lot to deal with right but there are people all over the world who sell in the united states and we are yeah. you know right right we're we but we are like i mean and you're, you're you're so right and again registering with these governments and giving them your information and then that just invites you have no idea how many i mean at ge we had people at walmart we had people all the companies had these people whose job is just to answer all the nonsense letters you get every day from the states because their systems are so messed up that even if you report XYZ, they're gonna say there's calculations wrong. It's just one of these things where it's like, this. you're not even gonna be able to get allowed to collect sales tax in some of these states because you don't really have a physical location there, but then they're gonna come after you for back taxes because you didn't collect them. It's like a catch 22. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute mess. And we just want Congress to say like, okay, states figure out a solution or we're gonna mandate the parameters of solution. So. Look at the link. I got a video up on and and if you find me on Facebook and 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 a little bit more detail. But here's the thing: we need to submit testimony. I've got about five. If you click on the link, it's just sort of like a temp. It's a instructions who to email it to. If you're in the United States, email your congressperson as well. Um, if you'd like to, that's optional. But we have the person email to. There's about four pages of instructions, and it, it's really more not. I'm sorry, not four pages of instructions. Let me back that up. It's a very short amount of instructions, but then there's a lot of suggestions because a lot of the people who I'm working with and we're sending this to have been dealing with a lot of bad stuff. So, um, and those are just sort of what I call like kind of talking points, if it, you know, or memory joggers for the people who've been through a lot of this, especially the backpacks. But you don't have to do it. Just at the very last page, you're going to see a template. It shows who you address it to, um, and you just have to email it. Just you know, you've got the name of the people, the the, the chairman Kim, uh, Kim, who's the chair of the commission. Um, and you know, a simple format you can follow and it just has to be in your own voice, right? It's not just something you're going to yeah. sign and adopt just in your own voice. Like I'm a small e-commerce business. I don't know a thing about sales tax. This scares me. This makes me not want to be independent on Shopify or you know, have my own e-commerce website because it's so scary. I therefore I have to rely on Amazon. Like whatever that is. Yeah. It's a real you, thing. Tell, tell Congress, even if it's half a page, I don't really care. Sign it and email it. Cause this mm -hmm. is really about quantity, it's sort of the opposite. It's sort of like quantity, not quality. I want Congress to really understand how many businesses are affected. I don't really necessarily, and they are going to read this, and this is going to be on their record. And do keep it's in gonna mind. It's going to be on the record. So for everybody watching that filed letters, um, uh, we had like a LOP thing uh, where everybody was filing letters of protest, but for trademarks. And then we right. also had something where they, they were going to add a fee of $100 to file an LOP. And a lot of people wrote letters 
um, where it was the same kind of thing where it was going to be a hearing to decide if they were going to add this fee and everybody wrote letters to try to protest adding the fee. So it's the same kind of thing, guys, where we're just everybody write a letter. It's going to be on public records to so just be aware whatever you write in your letter will be in public record. Um, but it's just something to have Congress and everyone that's uh, going to be deciding on on sales tax to know what is really going on, you know, what we're up against, how many people just aren't even like they're on Amazon or they're on merch or they're on these platforms because they don't have a way to file sales tax in 50 states. It's just, it's an impossible ask. Yeah. And like I said, companies are spending, and we have three e-commerce companies testifying and they're all going to say that they have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting their systems integration and getting their systems in place to handle and, and, and don't we, forget to discount your time too. I mean, the amount of time people spend is like, I, 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 you're a CEO of a company and you're spending, you know, half your day doing sales tax. That's not appropriate. It, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, and of course, we all went on Amazon and Amazon didn't collect tax or pay tax. So, <laughs> all these states have been out money all these years um, right. where if they could just make it easier, we would all not have to rely on Amazon and we could just be our own businesses. But uh, anyway. Exactly. So, please go and share that message is that, you know, you're concerned about sales tax because the, the purpose of this hearing is actually this is the first step. This is going to have to go through the judiciary. It's going to go through a lot of committees, but this is the one where, where they're basically trying to figure out, is, is there anything that we need to do here, Congress? Like, I think Congress kind of was under the impression that the states were good. The states are evil. The states are mean. They're, they go after p good people. I'm like, go Google my article. Google the article in the Philadelphia Inquirer about the Amazon seller who got hit with a $1.5 million tax bill. I'm in the article. Yeah. Um, that was my I've, client. They're doing this to people all over the country. I mean, they're mean, and they're violating their constitutional rights. And even if you're a foreign, you have constitutional rights when you're doing business in the United States and they're getting violated. Um, and if you're a woman owned business owner, talk about that because you know how much money and, and effort and time there are laws that Congress has passed to promote women and minority owned uh, business growth in this country. I think it's important that Congress knows that, that if you identify in that category, let Congress know that this is, you know, cause they need, they really, this is really a first step for our organization to really engage Congress. And there's so many issues outside of tax that we want to tackle. There's the antitrust, Amazon's mistreatment of Amazon seller. I mean, I want a seller bill of rights for Amazon business owners. I mean, I have a lot of things I want to do, but this is a great opportunity for us to introduce ourselves Yeah, and to, to sell on Amazon right now, you have to sign away your right pretty Every much. right. Arbitration. So it's really, that's why yeah. I went, guys, that's why I went to the, the hearing um, a few months ago. That's how Paul found out about me because I went to that hearing um, where they were talking about how Amazon and Google and all these companies are affecting small business owners. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of changes that need to happen. We just focus on one at a time and, and do our best. Yes. And so thank you guys for listening. I know you guys have to run because um, you got another thing coming, right? Or we Yep. We, another show tonight. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I just thank wanna you. thank yeah, thank you so much. And thank you to to everyone out there um listening and and um let let Congress know that this concerns you and let's get our voice heard and let's let's let Congress know that we're out there and that we're you know they need to start thinking about us. Um because I just think that uh in the big picture, like I always say to my pe people I talk to, is like the Wisconsin cheese farmers learned a long time ago that they have certain common interests that they created a trade association. But yet mm -hmm. there's a million, there's millions of Amazon businesses. We have nobody out there representing it. It's my mission, you know, aside from my day job of being a lawyer in a law firm and, and, and doing that, it is my mission to build an Amazon 
trade association lobby and and we're starting it last year we lobbied for a cellular protection bill in california called ab 1790 it did pass um it's not perfect but it was a foot in the door and i want to take it to the next level and i and sellers we need this lobby and we need to be um united in certain respects and restore the balance of power so um sounds crazy but it. it's all very possible so but we all just have to do our part and let congress know so thank i'm you very so much. excited that there's a lawyer out there who loves doing retail arbitrage let me just tell you oh absolutely that's <laughs> Can't get out of a Walmart discount aisle, especially especially now with like post holiday, you know, you know, post holidays. Uh, Forty five <laughs> minutes. I'll tell you, Easter candy is gold. By the way, um, there are certain Easter candies that you can just like. I would the, the the Hershey Hershey brand eggs and the Reese's eggs can sell for like I I, I will show you my listings next time next time if you want to do a video just to prove I'm not. Full Jonathan crap. Cleeter, if you're watching, remember when I tried to get you down the candy aisle? <laughs> Yeah. He's like a big Lego seller. So he was always like just focused on Legos and all these other things. And I was like, no, you got to scan all the candy. No, I did swear. On e and on eBay, actually, not even Amazon, I would do six bags of these Hershey candies. I was buying on discount for like two bucks. And I would sell those six bags for 80, 70 bucks. Yep. And you, they I used all fit to just grab one. the boxes like off the yeah. top shelf. They would still be all wrapped up in a box. Just grab the whole thing. Yeah, I would say I probably sold maybe 70% of the Easter candy I bought, but I the profit I made was massive because yeah. what I did sell, I was selling for crazy money. It was just like, I mean, yeah. you know, relative to, you know, it, it was just, it's so much fun, but you know, and a lot of expired peeps too. Um, <laughs> they didn't sell as well or I made it. It was so right. funny. I had my return sent to like automatically just ship back to my house. So it'd be so funny, like months later, like some kind of Easter candy or Valentine's candy would come to my house. I'm like, really? How? What? Where is this? What? <laughs> Who returns right. Easter candy? Right. And of course, if you were a retailer, you would have accepted that return, right? No. Amazon oh just looks like one return. You know, it's like, but yeah, but no, I, I love, I love retail arbitrage. It is, it is a yeah. sport and it is, it is also for many of my clients, it is a way of life and they make a lot of money doing it. And, uh, um, and it's a lot of risks too, but all for another time. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys all in the chat. I'm sorry I couldn't answer everyone's. Well, I don't know if there was questions, but acknowledge all of you. Let me just really quick acknowledge everybody. There's Adenal. There's Mike Hurd. He's in England and he's going to write a letter, he said. Um, Cheers. And then Festive Countdowns watching is like over midnight, I think you said. She's in Denmark. He or she is in Denmark. Dwayne's watching. Monty. Eat Sleep Amazon's watching. Patty. Thank you guys all. Dwayne, so, if you, you submit Paul. a letter, and thank you. And Dwayne, if you submit a letter, definitely talk about the fact that Amazon still isn't collecting tax in your state. I mean, you should be, you're a perfect candidate to, to raise that even that point that, that, that you're still, you're that's the second largest state for every Amazon seller I've ever met. Just about every seller is, it's always California, Florida, Texas, New York. Yep. Like that's usually the order. So let them know that how many billions of dollars Florida has lost without even taking the simple step of making Amazon collect like 38 other states. Um, I would love to have you participate. Guys, thank you so much. Please, and, and never never be afraid to reach out to me, Paul. Oh, my sure mom's watching. My mom just said hi. Hi mom. hi, mom. I'm just about to end this one, but there'll be another show at eight. So don't go far. Um, but you. anyone, I'll... all the links are in the description, guys. Or if you're watching on Facebook, they're on the post somewhere. So make sure you click through those. You can read art, um, an article about a seller who's facing all these back taxes. Um, and then examples for how to write the letter. Um, and thank you, Paul.
Thank you so much, guys. So nice to meet you and so nice to, to meet other members of the group. So I uh, hope we'll talk soon. All right. All right. Enjoy the next show. Thank Happy you. Bye. Bye, Bye. everybody.